Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. This episode, we're going to be taking a detailed look on our Champions League group stage opponents. We have Juventus, Zenit and Malmo. Who should we be keeping an eye on and what could cost us that top spot in the group? It's all coming up on At The Bridge Pod. Welcome back everyone to At The Bridge Pod. The Champions League draw has been made. I'm hyped. No one cares about that. No one cares about the Europa League draw. No one cares about the Conference League draw. There was only one topic over the last 24 hours. It was Ronaldo. It was, oh, it's madness. Um, how are you two uh, feeling? Yeah, uh, this transfer window is one crazy, crazy window. I mean, what's going to happen next? You just don't know. But that's the magic of a transfer window. Can't wait to see it unfold. Chris, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm... I actually think this could be one of the best summer transfer windows in recent times. Like the amount of amount of big deals that are going through and surprise moves as well. It's it's been right up there, I think, with transfer windows. Oh, for sure. I mean, some Manchester United friends of mine have been asking, "How do you unburn a shirt?" Or, we haven't got to that stage yet. I don't know. That, <laughs> that's physics beyond my uh, recollection. Um, with that though, we're going to head straight into that newsroom and see what the latest is at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> So we're slowly approaching the end of that transfer window. Slowly, we're going to get there. Uh, it's time to enter the, probably for the final time under this name, but the elevator of transfer news. Kurt Zuma is close to a 30 million euro move to West Ham. However, there are now complications regarding a knee issue. Chelsea have offered new deals to Christensen and Rudiger. Locomotive Moscow are in talks over a move for Tino Andrin. It's unclear if it's a permanent or a loan move. Zappa Costa has left to rejoin Atalanta on a permanent deal. Chelsea are extremely interested in Atletico midfielder Sao Niguez. Mina Raiola demanded Chelsea pay our yearly wage of 50 million euros for Erling Haaland, which is roughly at 800,000 British pounds a week. And that was on top of the 40 million euro agent fee. Ike Ugbo has joined Genk on a permanent deal. Atalanta are now looking at bringing in Callum Hudson-Odoi on a loan deal. Eduard Mendy and N'Golo Kante, Jorginho and Thomas Tuchel all collected awards at the Champions League draw for best keeper, defender, player and coach. Tammy Abraham set up two goals on his Roma debut. And finally, Willian has had his contract terminated by Arsenal after just one season. So, Chris, if you finish laughing, how are you, how you feeling about this Willian leaving Arsenal? Big move, you know. I mean, I've since all over social media and stuff about um, that's why. Chelsea sacked Lampard um, and it does make you think because Lampard was really pushing for Willian to get that deal and that is true. look at what he, what he went on and done at Arsenal which was nothing he had a, an okay game on the opening day of the season and then I, I barely kicked a ball after that like it just sums up Arsenal don't it that their transfer policy their recruitment is probably if not the worst it's definitely one of the worst in the league I don't know where he's going to go now. Probably back to Brazil, I imagine. Yeah, I think there was talk of um, him returning to his one of his former clubs. I think it might have been Corinthians. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Corinthians. Uh, 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 I mean, 
that oh, we're never we're never going to say Lampard out. But um, when you think about it, Lampard was pushing for that contract for him. I'm, I'm kind of glad that the board stood strong because that that looks would have been dreadful business. I mean, yeah, it would have. But in, all, in all business. fairness, in all fairness, I mean, it seemed as if it seemed as if sorry that William was actually performing at Chelsea and he did have an okay season for us his last season. I know Chris will say, oh no, didn't and he was poor and this and that, but he actually was one of our better players in the Lampard, one of the more consistent players. Which is worrying in itself, but <laughs> I think when he went to Arsenal, it, it just seemed it never he never seemed as if that he actually really wanted to go there. It almost seemed as if it was just well, Chelsea don't want me. I don't really want to leave London. Arsenal want me. Let's just go there. That's what it seemed like, and it it, it looked like he didn't really ever want to succeed there. He was just happy to sit on the bench. He never had that drive there. Whereas at Chelsea, it, it did look like he wanted to play for the club. He wanted to play for the badge. He, he wanted to perform for the fans, whereas at Arsenal, he just he didn't want that. It seemed it just seemed as if he was happy to just sit on the bench and, and get a paycheck. Um, we're going to be touching on more transfer news next week, obviously, because obviously the window will have uh, slammed shut, closed, whatever you wish to to say. Because uh, obviously at the moment everything is up in the air. You never know. I'd say at the end of it, I'd say we're going to have Jules Kunde. I think that's going to be sorted. I think Kurt Zuma will probably go to West Ham, but I think the deal will be on a reduced fee now that the knee injury has appeared, which is so shocking that a player of five years ago that's been known to have had his knee injury has now, oh, there's a knee injury. Yeah, we, we, everyone knew. And he's been injury free since, but hey, West Ham did this with side Ben Rama. They're doing it again. Uh, we're going to have a quick game review before the main bulk of the show. We mean quick because people have got stuff to do. Uh, and we've, we've, but we had, a, we had a London derby as we took on relegation-threatened Arsenal. James to put it on a plate for Lukaku. He scores his first Chelsea goal. He couldn't miss it, and it's taken less than 15 minutes. Arsenal nil, Chelsea 2, Lukaku and Reese James with the goals. Quick thoughts on that game, guys. Um, I, I think it's... The only way I can describe that game is that it was men against boys, and it just shows you how far Arsenal have fallen. Now, I, I don't want to say that, you know... Or Pablo Mari. Yeah, I don't want it to all be about how bad Arsenal were, were because even though, yes, they were terrible, I, I think there was a lot of positives for Chelsea. I mean, we didn't get out of third gear. We could have won three or four nil. And I thought Lukaku was absolutely sensational. Now, we, we've talked about his strengths now and how he's a different player. I thought he was going to be brilliant for Chelsea. But after that performance, I, I, I think he could generally get 30 goals a season in the Prem quite easily. Um, he, he bullied Mari. I mean... Arsenal's tactics were absolutely all over the place. I think trying to get close and touch tight to Lukaku was probably the worst thing they could have done. Um, I thought it was pathetic defending, to be honest, and really, really naive defending. But I thought there's a lot of positives. I thought Chris, me and Chris differ on this opinion, but I actually thought we, we defended really well. I thought Rhys James was lacking a bit defensively, but I thought he, he bombed on really, really well. Um, I thought Jorginho was fantastic. I thought Mountain Havertz, even though they, I know Mount got an assist, but even though they weren't, at their best in that game, I thought the pockets of spaces they they brought and they, they got into actually really pulled Arsenal out of shape and really gave Arsenal problems because you saw it for a few goals where Tierney got pulled out, Shaka got pulled out, um, they didn't know where to mark, who to mark. McConga was looking for someone to mark after he pressed someone. So there was a lot of positives to take. Um, I think in the second half, he did take the foot off the gas, which was, I think, something that we wouldn't do 
if we didn't think we could beat Arsenal quite comfortably. We just we just coasted. We, game management was superb, and we just got everything right against Arsenal. And yeah, Arsenal are shit. Um, I'll jump in and say Andreas Christensen was a bit of an unsung hero of the game. You know, he he was in the right place at the right moment. He was clearing up any attacking balls from Arsenal, long ball moves especially. And the aerial threat, he dealt with that with ease. And obviously, Kante, yeah. yet again, Kante, he proved he simply does not have a value in the current market. You can't put a price on the impact he has when playing for the side. You know, I we're think, just can, we're defensively better. To, yeah, I totally agree. I would just go back to the Christian simple. I think he did defend really well. And I think he's grown as a defender and as a player at Chelsea. But I think the one thing I would say is that I actually think he was quite naive at times in trying to win back the ball. I think there was a few times where he actually pushed up a bit too far and they got in behind a few times, which is, I think, something that he weren't doing towards the end of last season, which he did against Arsenal, which is something that he needs to not do. Uh, other than that, I thought defensively it was pretty much a flawless performance from the three centre-backs. Mm. Chris, what, what are your thoughts on the game? See, I disagree. And I actually think it was the first time that under Tuchel for... Since the first few games when he was still getting his system, but since the players have settled into how it, his style of play, I thought it was the first time we looked disorganised defensively. There was a, a lot of gaps to exploit. Arsenal didn't exploit them, is what it boiled down to. Like A lot of this stuff goes unnoticed if you're playing against, let's face it, a really poor team. There was, like Berth just said then, Christensen stepping into midfield to win balls back that he couldn't really win. And the two wide centre-backs not coming in round on the cover, leaving big gaps in the middle. There was uh, times when we were way too open in, in the game and we were lucky, really, that we were, we were playing against a, such a such a poor team, as I said. It wasn't a bad performance, but I agree with what Berth said, really. I think uh, we, we almost played in third gear, which shows how far Arsenal have fallen, that you can go to the Emirates now and win a game comfortably. And it was really comfortable, 2-0 in third gear. I was a little bit disappointed in our approach to the second half, though. And I think we we still have this mentality where when we get 2-0, we're always just happy with 2-0, which is, which is fine. Because unlike, unlike some other teams, we, we almost pride ourselves on clean sheets as well. So when we get to 2-0, we think, fine, keep the clean sheet and, and, and we'll win the game. But if... I thought second half we sat off and we let Arsenal off the hook too much. I thought there was a lack of intensity in the second half to go and make that game 4-5-0. I think Liverpool at their best, Man City at their best, playing that Arsenal team with that level of performance on that day would have been 4 or 5 nil. And those are the teams that we're trying to catch in a way. We're trying to close the gap, especially on Man City. We have to find that ruthless streak. I think you could see there was... A couple of instances in the second half where you could see Lukaku's frustration that the ball wasn't coming forward early as it was in the first half. But first half, we were superb. But second half, the ball wasn't being fired forward as much. A lot of people went back to playing those safe passes and you could just see the frustration growing. Because let's face it, Lukaku wants to get as many goals as he can get. And as a centre forward, it's very frustrating when you're standing up there and you're thinking we could go and score four or five, but the team are quite happy to just pass the ball around. I thought Havertz showed some nice touches, but both him and Mount, and it, it, it's a point I'm going to continue to make, I think. Not, it's not just them two, but all, anyone that we play in those inside forward positions, at the minute, they're just not impacting the game enough. 
It was a brilliant pass from Mason Mount for Reese James's goal. That's superb. But that's one moment in the game. I would say the rest of the game, I, I don't remember seeing him do anything that spectacular. I agree with what Berth said. I think their movement was very good. They do take up very clever positions because they're clever players. But they need to start impacting a game more. They were playing against a really bad Arsenal defence and didn't really threaten them that much. I think Havertz had a chance late on when he was his shot was saved at the near post, I think. But just not they don't look like they want to get into scoring positions. I think at least one of them could have got a couple of goals in that game if they'd gone and attacked the box more, like we said. I think it was last week, was it, we was on about it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's just no intensity to go and hurt the opposition. I think that's why Lukaku stood out so much, because every time he got the ball, he wanted to hurt Arsenal. Every time the ball went into his feet, he was trying to roll the defender to get going towards goal. Wasn't happy just knocking the ball backwards and sideways. He thought, no, these are poor and we can, we can comfortably batter these today. And I just think that's the sort of mentality that the other forward players need to start getting. One thing I will say, and I, I think I do agree with you, Chris, I do, I do get they do need to attack the box more. But one thing that I did see that is a promising sign is that especially in the first half, the second half not so much. I do think I do agree with you again, Chris. I thought he was too slow in the build-up play in the second half. Too many passes around the centre-backs. In the yeah. first half especially, I thought we really played the two Lukaku strengths, which is yeah, something we've all talked about that we, was worried that, that we wouldn't do. But in the first yeah. half, both goals, passing into Lukaku's feet, he'll hold it up, he'll lay it off, then he'll burst into the box. And then Rhys James plays it into him. That is Lukaku's bread and butter, and we are doing that. Like That is playing to his strengths. And if we keep doing that, and keep playing like that, he will get 25, 30 goals easily in the Prem. I, I firmly believe he, he could be the top goal scorer if he plays his strengths like we did against Arsenal. Mm. Oh, very fair points. I mean, that's exactly why we have such, you know, good discussions on this show. Um, it'd be interesting to see how we, we come up against uh, Liverpool, which obviously we'll uh, find That would be a different... That would be... Like, if people expect Lukaku to do what he did to marry to Virgil van Dijk, that isn't going to happen. So Unlikely. Let's just get that one out there right now. Do not like attack Lukaku if he has a poor game against arguably the best defender in the past couple of years in world football. So, yeah. you know, let's, let's just take it a pinch of salt, the game against Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, this week, the Champions League draw for the group stages took place. Uh, we all had completely forgot this was going ahead. I, I personally did. Um, it kind of shows our true dedication to our art and love of the sport. Uh, but we were drawn in uh, Group H. Didn't stand for hell. It wasn't the group of hell. We've got Juventus, Zenit St. Petersburg and Malmo. They all await us. Um, we're going to take a look at each team in a minute, but just general thoughts on the group. Um, I think it's a good group. I'll, I'll be surprised, especially now with Ronaldo going back to Man United. I think... Has he left? I don't know if you've heard. Yeah. Oh, he has. I mean, breaking news. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, if anyone doesn't know, he's gone, he's gone back. He's I haven't back. heard about but, this. Yeah. That's a big move. Big move, that. Yeah, I'm talking about R9, by the way, not CR7. Ronaldo, <laughs> the Brazilian Ronaldo's gone back. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, I think it's a very, very good draw for us. And I think that we should top the group. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think you always look at, at teams you want to avoid. And if, if you could have handpicked teams, it wouldn't have been far off what you would have chose. Um, Juventus. Will be difficult because Allegri's a very good manager. Um, tactically, that that game's actually really intriguing because it's two very good tactical managers going up against yeah. each other. Um, 
But I think if if we can avoid defeat in in both games against Juventus, I think we'll top the group because I think we'll score more goals than Juve against the the, the lesser teams. A little bit disappointing to have to have that that longer way trip to Russia, you know, midwinter as well, which isn't ideal. But I mean, Zenit should be beaten twice, and, uh, and Malmo will be the whipping boys of the group. I mean, Pot Two had Real Madrid, which the teams we could draw, obviously. Real Madrid, Barcelona, Sevilla, Juventus, PSG, and Dortmund. Out of all them, I would take Juventus or Sevilla because Dortmund's yeah. Dortmund are not. They're like. To be honest, uh, I'd, I'd take Real Madrid. I'd take Real Madrid and Barcelona as well. I I never underestimate them two, ever. I've learnt, we've learnt before. Um, we'll, we'll have a look at each team. We do this every year. Uh, Juventus. Well, the history between these sides is we've played four, we've won one each, and we've drawn two. Most recently was the group stage in 2011-2012. That's famous for Oscar's stunning goal that had us two up before a Juve comeback. And then we got knocked out at the group stage, went on to win the Europa League. Yeah. Uh, obviously, last season was not their best season. They lost the grip on the Serie A title. But Allegri is back. He's at the helm. We're going to assume they won't have Ronaldo. Where I wrote this. Uh, obviously, he's definitely not there when they face us. Key players are going to be Delict, Dabala. I dare say the returning Morata, considering how they've sort of set up. It's a talented team, but oddly, out of all the teams in Pot 2 that I've obviously mentioned, I just don't see them as a threat. Do, do you agree on that? I think they'll be hard to beat. I think that is one thing that they will be. I, I don't think if you do beat them, I don't think it'll be a 3-4-0 like against no, Dabala. No. I think there'll be, it won't be an open game. It'll be very, both games will be very, very... Uh, I wouldn't say a quick-paced game. I think it'd be very slow, quite tactical, um, quite methodical. But look, Allegri's a great manager, um, very defensive. Morata, let's just get out of there. He's most destined to score against us. Let's, let's be honest, he's probably going to get a goal against us. Um, the ball is a fantastic player. Um, they are the players that really can hurt us. Um, but having taken Ronaldo out of that team, really does just knock them back quite a lot. I don't think he realise how big of a deal Ronaldo is. Yes, he's obviously this world-class superstar, but he's still, at his age, he just gets a ridiculous amount of goals. And you take that amount of goals out of anyone, it just knocks them back a, a step. So it's going to be a tough game, but I still think we've got more than more than enough to beat them over both, uh, both ties. Yeah, I think they will be tactical, cagey games. I don't think there'll be many goals in them. I don't think they can be underestimated, though. They won't be the same Juventus as they was last season under Perlo. Allegri's a much better manager, more tactically astute. They've still got good players. A bit like, a bit like us with with Tuchel taking over from Lampard. It's a similar, it's a similar scenario for them. Um, they're bringing in a manager who will get much more out of that squad than than Perlo did. Uh they're still going to be it's still going to be hard away from home. I think at home that that'll be a frustrating team to play against, but away from home it's it's still going to be a tough game. Like I said, I think the the plan going into that would be avoid defeat against Juventus twice, and then I think we top the group. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally agree. To- totally agree. It'd be also interesting to see who they replace Ronaldo with if they go that route. Many names mentioned, well, but Werner Hazard, Hazard. We'll Hazard, see. Hazard, yeah, but he's not a forward, as in a focal point. That's the problem. 
No, so that doesn't. True. I mean, they've got Morata. I mean, that's a throwback. They could <laughs> have Quadrado. Quadrado. Come on. Quadrado, Hazard, and Morata again in a team. That'd be interesting. Interesting. Wow. Well, um, pot three. Zenit. Hello, new team. We've never played them before. Nope, not a single game between us. Uh, the powerhouses of Russian football. Three titles in a row so far in Russia. Who are their key players? Well, their captain is the Dijon Lovren. Yes, he is at Zenit. I missed that somehow. Um, in all seriousness, they've got Artem Dejuba and Sadar Azmoun up, are the two incredible forwards they've got up front. And I think we need to be taking them that pair seriously. They score goals. Um, their left back is Douglas Santos. He's another he's a great attacking left back. He's one to keep an eye on because he's going to provide those killer balls for those pair up front. So the main thing about this whole, this bit of the draw is the travel situation. Naturally, whenever it's Russia, Ukraine, any any side in that sort of area of Europe, you do think, ah, oh, the travel, you know, it's not fun. Long flight. It does look like we would be playing them in Russia before a game against Southampton at home. Um, that's usually how the groups work. Uh, if it's not and it's the second fixture, it's most likely we play them in Russia between a game against Leicester and then Man United. <laughs> Hopefully that's not the away fixture. It's most likely going to be the Southampton thing based on previous years. I did a bit of research on it, so it does seem that it will be the Southampton game. Uh, likely, it's just how it is, pop three. Uh, what do you think on this particular game and Zenit? Um, I, th- I think... It's always tough going away to um, a team in Russia or, or that sort of Eastern European countries. Um, always difficult travelling and then playing. Um, so it will affect the squad. I think when you look at players like uh, Zayuba, um, Lovren, they're very, very physical. Zayuba is not the quickest of strikers, but he's very good with the ball at his feet. He's very, very strong, very powerful. They'll be good from set pieces. So it'll be it'll be an awkward, um, awkward game away from home, I think. We should still have enough to beat them because, um, well, we're the European champions, of course, but it, it will be tough for us. Um, I think the home leg should be a lot easier. Um, but, yeah, it, it's always tough going going away to place like Russia um, in the middle of the Premier League season. So it'll be a tough one. But, yeah, I, I think we've got more than enough. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think it almost depends where that, where that fixture, whether we play them at home first or away. Um, I don't know whether you have that information, Mikey. What, 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 what's that? Do we play them at home first? Uh, it, it's most likely the, we, yeah, you, play pot, you play pot three's team away because how it works is yeah, the sorry, yeah. yeah, like last season we had um, who was our third team? Oh, Krasnodar. We played them yeah. in Russia. Right. Yeah, it will depend on what fixture it falls between. I think if it is the Southampton one, then I think we, we go there, we'll play full strength. And I think it's one of them games where people are expecting you to go there and win 4-0, but it's going to be more like a tricky 1-0, 2-0 sort, mm, yeah. sort of game. If it's, if it, if it is between the Leicester and the Man United games, I wouldn't be surprised to see some sort of squad rotation and then it becomes a more, yeah. becomes a more difficult fixture. Then, and it, it could quite easily be one of those games where, you end up with a draw. But I, I still think it, our squad is so deep now in terms of quality that I think no matter what team he puts out, it should be good enough to go there and get a positive result. Yeah, I mean, it's a long flight. You can get a non-stop flight. I've got the times up here. 
you can get a non-stop flight that's just over five hours but most of them are one stops and they're about six to eight hours depending on we're gonna have private jets and all that sort of yeah. thing but it's gonna be it let's could, just it's, let's call it six hours without any issues and it could be snowing or anything yeah. you don't know what you the never know are. they're not they're not the fun trips they're long uh, yeah it, it is what it is but i'm certainly not going to underestimate them because i i've seen their two strikers they're very good I, I really, really like Asmoon. I think he's a very good striker. Uh, finally, Malmo. We have history here. Recent history. Do you remember 2018, 2019 Europa League? Europa, um, Europa League, I was yeah. going to say. Is it, is it the game where you play in the quarterfinals? Or last Round season? of 32. That's oh, close. 5-1. Is that, <laughs> is that the one where William scored away, didn't he? The away leg. He, he might have. He might have. Um, we did win it 5-1 on an aggregate over the two legs. Uh, they got to this stage, obviously, by beating Gerard's Rangers side over two legs and then Ludogorets. That's nothing to be, you know, let's take that seriously because Rangers are decent, you know. Uh, they're managed by the Danish legend John Dahl Thomason. Familiar faces in the side are Martin Olsen from his days at Norwich and Swansea. Ola Toivonen, who I didn't know was still playing. And Nicholas Moisander. I reached out to some Malmo fans for their insight because... I'm not going to pretend that I know anything about Malmo. I don't know a lot. I know about Zlatan and all that sort of thing, but I don't really know. And they mentioned a new signing that they got from FC Emin called Sergio Pina. I hope I got that right. Uh, he could be a very tricky player to handle. Apparently, he's, he's a good playmaker, very good on the ball. We want, I definitely want to research for sure. And that they have a great group of players. It's like a squad. They're really together. And another one they picked out was a pacey winger by the name of Berman Sevic, who apparently has been great in the qualifying Champions League games. And he's kind of been talked up to be bought by a much bigger club for around the 20 million euro mark. Uh, another one they've got is obviously another playmaker, Anders Christensen, who was absolutely outstanding for the Danish national team at the Euros this summer. But overall, what are your thoughts, guys, on um, Malmo? I mean, I'm not going to claim to know much about Malmo because I don't. I literally really ever, rarely ever watched them. But look, it's always tough going away to them. And these games, you almost take for granted, which is almost a hindrance for us, really. You, you know, you, it's always like a banana skin. You always like, look at, um, I think it was under Marina when we lost to Basel at home 2 1, where he thought it was a given that we was going to win. And that was when Salah scored too, I think. So mm. these games are always tricky. I think it's. These games as well, it's key to have a really, really good squad like we have. And you look at players like Hudson Adoy, Marcus Alonso, um, you know, Ver your Verners, your Kovacic's, your uh, Trevor Shalabers, for instance. These are players that have to step up in these games. And when you've got quality all around the squad now, you know, these players should be raring to go for these games. And you know, we should we should win both um, ties home and away. But you know. It, it, it's always going to be a difficult game, whatever happens. But look, we're European champions, you should be walking past these teams pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, before Chris jumps in, Berman Sevic, uh, he's obviously just joined Malmo. And he did. He was so key in their defeat, them defeating uh, Ludogorets and Rangers, getting a couple of goals and assist. He, he was quite impressive. I must admit, I, I took a look at him today. Obviously, compilation videos, you can only judge so much. But from what I saw... Yeah, he, may, he might not be the level of, you know, some of the players in the Premier League, like Rashford's and Sancho's, that sort of level. 
but he's certainly not one to just disregard. He could cause problems, like almost like Hakim Ziyech did for us against yeah. us when he's played. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts on Malmo? I think those sort of teams, what you find is they're generally good teams. They don't have yeah, yeah. outstanding individuals, but they're, they're always well-organised well and they work hard. They're usually very fit teams, so quite energetic in the way that they play. I would be shocked if the home game wasn't a comfortable 4-0 or more walkover. But away games, always difficult. Crowd will play a big part um, if they've got full capacity stadiums, which I imagine in Sweden they will have. I just, I, I'm almost I'm almost with Berth. I, these games, they're no-win situations for us. If we go there and we win 4-0, everyone says we should be doing that. And if you go there and you slip up, people are like, you shouldn't be slipping up against teams like that. Yeah. You know, that, that, they are difficult fixtures, but there's no doubt that we should be we should be looking at maximum points from from teams like Malmo if we're serious about going to potentially win the competition again. I yeah. think with teams like this, I think it, what sets these like your Malmos and, and Krasnodars, for instance, apart from like your higher end European uh, clubs, is that they they've always got a mistake in them that they're always quite rash. I feel, um, yeah, and, and that's where you have to punish them. Um, and I think you know when you've got players now in like Lukaku that will just kill games off straight away. You know. We have to kill them off. We can't just be letting these teams that make mistakes just let them slide and just only scrape them by. We need to just punish them. Um, so that that is something that we need to look for and and do when we do play them. Yeah, I don't I don't mean it in a pessimistic negative way. It's just don't underestimate anyone because you never yeah, know what yeah, exactly. these teams can do. I, I'd like to I'd, I'd say looking at that group, we should top it. There's no excuses. I mean, as you said, European champions were there for. We didn't get into this competition because. You know, we scraped for on the final day of last season. Yeah, last we did. But we won that competition and we deservedly won. Look at who we beat on the way. So, you know, both Madrid sides, the, the, the favourites for the competition at that Manchester City. So we're, we deserve to be here. We need to expect to win this group. We've got Lukaku, we've got Werner, we've got Mount. You know, we've got a top squad. When it looks, looking across the other groups, what, what, did anything particularly stand out for yourself? Apart from, obviously, I liked it when I did the emoji thing and Group A is just Leipzig, Paris and Man City. No one likes any of those clubs in their own uh, leagues. But, yeah, anyone that stand, anything that stands out in the groups? I mean, that is the one that did stand out for me. I mean, I think I think everyone's looking forward to the PSG-Man City game. With, you know, you've got Messi in there and be interested to see how he performs against Man City. So, that that... That group is a very, very good group to watch because I think Leipzig will cause Man City and PSG a lot of problems. And look, with the Champions League, it's very unpredictable. You just don't know who's going to win it. I mean, look at last year. I don't think anyone predicted us to win it, and we did. So you could say, oh, yeah, they're going to get through, and then it might not happen. So I'm just, I love the Champions League. I love watching all the group games. So I can't wait for it to start. Hopefully Chelsea get through. Hopefully Chelsea win it again this year. But I think for the level of competition and everyone strengthening them, their sides, I mean, PSG are going to be a force. I know they're in Man City's group, but they'll be a force. Man City, if they get through, will be a force. Man United have just signed Ronaldo. Um, I, I do think Real Madrid and Barcelona are going to struggle this year. I, I don't think they'll get far. Bayern Munich will be there or thereabouts. And I think with our team at the minute, if we had Koundé, if we had Saul Niguez, I do genuinely think we'll be there or thereabouts again. So 
I, I still think Barcelona will get out of their group because Bayern, Bayern will top that. They should do. Um, Kiev, yeah. Kiev and Benfica, I don't think are as strong as many make. Benfica are not as strong as people make out. I think no, that should be Barcelona and Bayern's, you know. Um, yeah. The one that I love is Group D because you've got Inter, Real and Shakhtar again, two years in a row. I love oh. it. I love that. I thought the odds on that are insane. And just to see that again, it just made me think, huh, that's a, uh, oh well. Um, group B has got to be the standout tie for groups. I mean, Atletico, Liverpool, Porto, Milan, all of them are winners of the competition. Did Atletico win? I, I, think, no. I think that's a tough group. I think that's a tough group. Well, I mean, yeah, it's. It, I still like... You'd expect Liverpool and Atletico to come out of that, but mm, Porto could spring a shock, but Milan could as well. It, it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult one. I mean, yeah. oh yeah, they've never won the European Cup. Apologies, Atletico have never won it. The other three have. Um, what are your thoughts, Chris, on the groups? Uh, I like the look of Group F actually. Um, group of fun. Yeah, Villarreal. I think they showed in the Super Cup against us that Unai Emery has got them a well-organised, have a difficult team to play. They was they was almost a horrible team in that Super they Cup. They are a game. horrible team to play. They are horrible. So, don't think I don't think anyone in that group's going to relish that fixture. Then you've got Man United with Ronaldo and Sancho and Varane, and we don't know how they're going to go because they've still got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in charge. So we don't know how that's going to play out. And then Atalanta. They have a good side at Atlanta and they play good stuff. They've got a good manager, but they've got to show more in the Champions League this year. Like I thought last season they would cause Liverpool problems, but they was awful against Liverpool both times that they played them. But I do think with that year's experience now, they, they could be better this year. So I, looking at it, Man United should walk that group, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as that. And I think that could be the group where one of the big teams... Man United drop out. We'll have to say, I mean, it's going to, it's a very interesting draw. Um, in regards to Europa League, if we'd have obviously hadn't won the Champions League and Leicester had done what they should have done, and that was win on the final day, uh, we'd have most likely replaced them in their group. Let's just say that's how it would work with the draw, whatever. Uh, so it would have been a group of us, Napoli, Spartak Moscow and Legio Warsaw. Oh, that, that, that is quite tough in itself as well. I mean, never. It is, but I feel like I think Leicester will still get through that, and I think I think we would have eased past them. I know there is a tough side, but there is a Champions League group in there. There is Group yeah. E. I mean, that's Lazio, Lokomotiv Moscow, uh, Marseille, and Galatasaray. All of them have been in the Champions League recently. Yeah, yeah. So you think, oh, that's it's not bad, is it? I mean, no, I mean the Europa League. I, I mean, it gets a lot of stick, but I do think there's a lot of good games in there. I think I think there's a lot of high quality football in there um, mm. but for some reason it gets just a lot of stick and I don't really know why I think all of them were in the Champions League last season Tom. yeah I think they were I'm yeah. just, just pulling that up actually as I speak because I don't want to be completely wrong here but I'm pretty certain uh, Locomotive were in because did they win the title and they oh no I don't know how that works with Russian teams no Zenit I don't know oh Zenit won it didn't they so you had Locomotive yeah you had Locomotive you had Marseille yeah they were in it um, Lazio were in it. Galatasaray were not. Oh, because it was Istanbul, wasn't it? Basic here. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. but still strong group. It's going to be very interesting. And the Conference League is just going to be fun. It, it, it's teams that don't often get on the European stage. They'll be on the European stage. Maybe some hidden gems will reveal themselves and 
hey, they probably will not like it, but in the long term, it would be better if, say, one of those hidden gems, a big a club, splashes a lot of cash on them. It helps balance the books. It's kind of one of them. It'd be a bit of fun uh, competition to watch unfold, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with that, we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. So, till next time, listeners, that's us signing off. <laughs>